Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. My name is Kevin Murphy, and I just spooked powers for a second time. Because I thought I thought you'd started the podcast early the first time you were doing a mic test, where you said, "Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast," and I wasn't ready. Well, you, you were listening. Well, you were listening. We were having a little chat, and I was just like, I'm like we're, about, we're talking about, about Stratford's chain of acid attacks. <laughs> And then I thought, and then you went, hello and welcome to the podcast. And I was like, is that which, in it? Which ironically, we have now started the podcast talking about acid attacks. So yeah, you can't get away from it. And that's circle. the real problem. Uh, I'm also joined by... Hello, I'm Alicia. Yay. Nice to meet you. Expert on acid attacks, I've just learned. Whoa, now that sounds like I'm sourced. <laughs> You're so into that. I'm holding a boiling mug of tea in my <laughs> <Yeah>. hand. <laughs> this is very dangerous territory. We're talking about basically there's a shopping centre in Stratford. That yeah. You actually, I, I don't even know it because like you walk through it to get to the loading bar in Stratford. Yeah. Which is very good, you should go there. Oh yeah, um, that's so true. That's yeah. the only time, but like there's always just people just skating badly. Hey, um, now, that's some pretty good, so, like, know. really good steak, skating happens. I've never seen, right, I thought about this the other day when I was on the South Bank, you know they've got that little skate park in the South Bank as well. Yeah, but that's bad. I've never seen anybody good at skating with my own eyes. No. Like, you I've seen videos you of people. come out with me sometime. Are you good? Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> I don't oh, he on X game mode. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to open up, like, Tony Hawk or something, and Gal be like, no, this isn't what I meant, <laughs> Rory. But I, I, I was waiting, for, I was meeting someone the other day, so I stood and watched people down on that South Bank one just for like five, ten minutes. Yeah, they're quite bad. All shite. Someone, I remember someone explaining that that little shopping centre in Stratford to me one time and yeah. they were like, like it's just yeah, a it normal has. shopping centre and then when everything closes it just becomes this mad kind of international waters yeah. type anything yeah. goes. And I was, like, I was like, well that can't be right. And then I was going through it one time yeah. and it's just like there was people raving in the corner. Yeah. Like a bunch of homeless people sleeping on yeah. one side. Other people just rollerblading like discoing <laughs> yeah. down the halls. I'm yeah. like, what is this? You have, um, yeah, it's you have crazy. like hip hop crews, skater crews. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like, Brilliant. Um, so this is a lovely podcast. We're going to talk about some lovely things. And later on, uh, I've got a little interview that I did with Alex Garland ages ago, way before Christmas. Um, and he is a very nice, if intense man. Um, did he give you lots of eye contact? Uh, yeah. I feel like that's a sign of intensity. Yeah, Just yeah, like, yeah. I'm doing it now. Um, I'm not breaking. Yeah, that'll be later on in the podcast. First of all, though, Powers and I have finally played What Remains of Edith Finch. Yeah, um, and it was this really funny thing where on the weekend, because I've been meaning to play it for so fucking long. I think it's one of those games. It's yeah. just it was on everyone's to do list. Everyone was going on about it, and I thought, okay, I'm going to play it. But I think in my head, I thought it was something very different to what it actually was. Um, what did you think it was? I thought FES. It, <laughs> <laughs> no. I thought it was a battle royale type. I, I thought it was going to be quite a sort of. I thought it was going to be more like um, everyone's gone to rapture. Yeah, so sort of like as you soon walk as you around, say oh, walking okay. sim, yeah. people think well, okay, it's kind of like that. Um, no, but, but it's not. So anyway, so I thought I'll down, I'll download it. Good counterpoint, let's see. So I thought I downloaded it on the weekend, downloaded it, but didn't oh. get yeah, a chance to play it. But then 
uh, I spoke to you because I saw like a tweet from you or your girlfriend saying, "Oh, I'm finally playing this." Yeah. So I thought, "Oh, I'll I'll talk to you about." It. And there was this amazing moment where I said to you, "I was like, <laughs> oh, because like basically the, you have to know about how we sit." So I sit next to Powers, facing uh, west, and um, behind us is Joe and Cardi facing east. And Why I said, "Because like like then you've got the you've got the thing." So basically, I turned to Powers and said, "Oh, hey man, did you just start playing Edith Finch? Like, um, I've just downloaded it." And then I was like, "What did you think?" And you went, "Yeah, yeah, it's good." Um, and I saw Cardi and Joe, who like, it was like their second favorite game last year, just turn around being like, "He's massively <laughs> underselling it." And like, you had a really good time, but right? it was like a Monday morning, and I was like, "Hey, how's how's this game?" <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to word it. It I was so funny. I love the game. I thought it was great. Uh, but I, there, there was more in that game. I think I'm probably gonna forget than like is gonna stick with me. Yeah. Like there's there was one particular uh, like kind of sequence which I think we talked about the fish factory yeah, sequence. Yeah. Lewis. Yeah. I'm being very mm, ca- okay. careful yeah, with my yeah. choice of words. Um, it's like that one was, I think, the amazing, m- probably the only one where after it I was like, holy shit! I was yeah. like, that was incredible. Mm. There's a lot, of, a lot of other ones I was like, oh, okay, like I could take this. We should probably, this. we should probably explain the premise of the game yes. for people who've never heard of it before. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like it's, a, it's a walking sim, but the idea is that you play as. Edith Finch, she's going back to the family home that she's grown up in, and there's a curse on her family. And everyone dies a really untimely death. Sounds really, really dark, but basically she's the last person left of her family. And every time a family member dies, they board up their room. And so the potential mechanic is finding your way into the rooms of these family members. Mm -hmm. And when you do, you find out the story of how they died. And it is actually quite, for a story that's about death, it's really centered on life. Like there's something about it that's really, optimistic like it's not it's not super dark um yeah. it's kind of like a it feels like a wes anderson movie in yeah some in some bits i think definitely that's yeah definitely for sure like that i think like i i'd like that's the thing i didn't know what it was going to be mm. but it basically comes up with like forget the walkington part of it because it comes yeah, up with totally. these because every room basically the way it tells you a story tells you in a different way and that's mm. what i wasn't expecting yeah. i thought you were just going to be this person walking around finding out different things oh right yeah. whereas when you go into a different room every room is like this new sort of mechanic yeah and there's a couple of game mechanics in it like, there's one at one point where you're controlling this sort of like tentacle thing and i remember i was playing it going I want a full game like this. This is amazing. Yeah. Obviously, you don't want a full game like that. There's no way of sustaining it. But mm. they come up with all these really cool little mechanics mm. throughout it to tell you the story that are just fun to play for, you know, like five, ten minutes sort of thing. Yeah. It's um, so rich. And I love I love that idea of approaching game. Games are like narrative devices. They, you know, they can be incredible tools of storytelling. And then to actually look not just, I'm going to tell you a story and here's a script and here's some characters. Yeah. Looking at ways that game mechanics can reflect the characters yeah. and like how you can have a level that like ref- drives a narrative forward just through on a mechanical level. It's really, yeah. really smart. It's uh, like I generally, I played it and but at the end I was like, that is a masterpiece. I thought it was fucking incredible. Um, I was playing with my girlfriend who was doing work at the time and she was like drawing and... She, she, I was like, do you mind if I play this game? She's like, no, 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 go for it. So she kind of was like looking up now and again. And then she looked up like after like five, after like 20 minutes, she wasn't drawing anymore. And we were just playing the yeah, game. She was just like, no, I have to, I have to watch all of this now. It was like the, in The um, Simpsons with Millhouse. She thought she was <laughs> drawing tattoos and looked down. It was, she was just writing Edith Finch, <laughs> like trailing <laughs> off the page. <laughs> 
Um, I can see it being right up Clara's street. Yeah, it's it's mental how it's taking me so long to play, and I don't know why. But that's a good thing about games. Yeah, yeah check it out. It's, I think it's because sometimes it's a two-hour game, isn't it? And sometimes oh. people get slightly put off by that with games. They're kind of like, oh, well, you know, if it's only two hours, there's other stuff yeah. that I can get my teeth into. But mate, if a game is two hours, that's like, my that's dream. A, that's, that's a selling point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I can play um, it. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Uh, also, Alicia, playing. Mm. Oh, we're very play heavy. Um, this podcast, even the Alex Game. Garland bit, heavy. even yeah, even <laughs> Alex Garland is full of games. Um, you played a VR game with I can't remember the name of. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's called it's called Seed. <laughs> Seed. Um, and Seed's Seed's super interesting. So I'm gonna dial it back. Okay. The reason why I was playing it was because um, I went to the final of a competition, and it's run by these guys called the Welcome Trust. And the Welcome oh, cool. Trust are all about supporting game makers who want to make games that bring in real world elements like science and health and like all this kind of stuff and put them into games in like really fun ways. So games that reflect reality, essentially. So they worked with Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. And so they helped fund it. They provided researchers on mental health. They're like, they're such a cool organization. And they have this amazing competition called Developing Beyond where the final uh, winner gets 150 grand in Ooh. funding. So uh, not, getting on this. not pocket change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what, are you make a game or some shit? I can do that. Can <laughs> <laughs> I get money? Bob Museum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got this really good game. It's about this game called D.D. Finch. And <laughs> 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 you got to go back to a... Uh, a caravan. <laughs> D.D. Finch returns. <laughs> Make it rain. Here's 150 Electric grand. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> but um, so, and every stage of the development process, there's like there's like different stages of the competition, and you might get 30 grand at one particular stage, and if you get through to the next stage, you get like 15 grand, and like the wow. finals. So it's amazing in terms of supporting game developers. Yeah. And Seed was the game that won this particular competition. Um, the competition's theme was transformation, so they had to come up with an idea around that word yeah. it's kind of like a really souped up like <clears throat> primary school project isn't it like yeah. okay, kids here's a word now go make a thing from it is it time is there like a time restraint do you get like a certain period to work on the game yeah you Two do hours. yeah <laughs> so like so the last stage was at develop brighton last year i can't yeah. remember yeah. was that august or like i can't remember it was yeah, towards like the end of last august, year yeah. and then they they, were, they got given 15 grand to come like through to the next stage and stuff. Yeah. And Susan Kalman, the comedian, is like chair of the jury on this. Oh, cool. So she's been judging it at every stage. What do they do? Like, I always think this with competition money. Do you just use that to live? Or do you put that, how, would you put that yeah. into the game? Yeah. And how I did you get that. money to enter the competition? You well, know? I guess they've just got the idea and they put it in there, but then the money then is... Helps develop it. Yeah. Madness. I always think like yeah. how much the money actually goes on like clothes. I always like that. think that with well, like uh, with uh, esports teams, yeah. where it's like, oh, like um, like Spitfire, oh, you just won like whatever one hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars. It's like, do you now need to like use that to pay for everything you've done so far? Yeah. Like, how have you got to this point? It costs without... a lot to enter that league. I guess, exactly. Yeah. I guess that's then for esports, it would be bolstered by sponsorship, wouldn't it? Yeah, so yeah. they'd be like, okay, so you're sponsored by HP, mm. and they'll give you all your living costs, and then yeah, you get like the extra cash fund at the end. I thought you read an HP source. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, I mean, the most British thing ever, we were sponsored by brown sauce. And like, so there's a stipulation in the contract that you have to be eating one bacon sandwich with HP sauce on it during the competition. I did, one-handedly. Yeah. I was like, all our team are Korean. They do not like HP sauce. I do um, like the tagline of London Spitfire, the sauciest esports team. <laughs> <laughs> they just like they just they don't know like they've just got like brown Stings, sauce all over yeah. them. 
<laughs> That's how you endorse him. Just stains all over your clothes. Um, so Seed. So Seed, yeah. Seed won the competition. Um, and Seed is a virtual reality game. And mm. the idea is it's all about genetic engineering and splicing. Yeah. So you find yourself in this really rich, realistic, essentially potting shed. But yeah. it, doesn't sound, it doesn't sound cool when you say, it's a game when you're in a potting shed. But it's a potting shed like on steroids. Okay. And you've got like all these machines around you and you get missions and your job is to genetically splice and engineer all these different seeds. Um, and so it might be, you've got to create this poisonous seed that's then, you know, it's a bit dodgy actually, it might go out yeah. into the world and be used. And it reflects like geopolitical tensions and like, you know. All from you, the greenhouse. Yeah, and if you, so you're in your potting shed, hey, literally. everything starts in the greenhouse. But literally you're, you. you're affecting the rest of the world. So you might have a guy, there's like a narrator who's like really sarcastic and funny, but he'll say, oh, can you, right, we need to cre create this seed that's going to affect this particular food shortage in the world. And then, you might, you just start dicking around essentially with like radioactive bars and you're like putting seeds up against them or like, you know, pressing all these buttons and there's like so many different levels and you clone seeds and it's like, it's, it's a really, really fun game in terms of it captures this theme of, of science because it's all about experimentation. You know, like if you were ever at school and you got given like two chemicals, I don't know, like potassium, you had to see which one exploded most. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, but like with radioactive plants. And um, <laughs> it's funny. Cool. It's funny, like a stripped back version of that. I remember when I was at school, and you know what? When you're at school in like the ICT departments, and you got those computers that aren't really like actual computers because everything's yeah. blocked. It mm. only has like, these crap like educational programs running on it. And one of the programs that we had running on ours was like this. It was a chemistry program where it was essentially like a terrible cartoon laboratory. So you could um, like click and drag test tubes on the bits and Bunsen okay, yeah. burners nice. or type in, you know, uh, 200 milliliters of gunpowder and then click and then that would appear. Um, and similar to that, like obviously because we were kids, we would just see what shit what we could mix together make, to yeah. make things blow up. Yeah, like yeah. you just stack like 20 piles of gunpowder and then put like a Bunsen burner at the bottom That's and amazing. see if you could crash the program. <laughs> like, <laughs> Rory! <laughs> what? I'm learning, I'm learning. But imagine that in VR, you know? Exactly. Imagine yeah. that with it's, like... It's cool how it's evolved now yeah. into something so big. I'm into it, it sounds cool. Man. It is really cool. And I just think it's, it's a really awesome competition because video games are these massive, it's like using empathy, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, when you play a video game, you are actively pushing something forward and like making decisions and like engaging. And so the idea of a competition that reflects real world yeah. issues, using that through games rather than say films, saying, oh, let's make a film about a real world issue that just ends up being quite like educational yeah. and dull. Like this is using fun and entertainment to really like, drive conversations about big issues. That's cool. I've, like, mm. I've, I've got ideas for games. How can I... Give Do me it. the, give me the money. Give me the bonus. <laughs> which one of your ideas? I can't tell you, can I? Because uh. one of them, Krupa and I have an idea for a game that I generally think it's fucking brilliant. Really? Yeah. Really? I really um, want to know. Yeah. Maybe we've not got a live mic on you with thousands of people listening, it, stealing uh, your idea. Yeah, Krupa and I, I think... We used to sit like next to each other, and we used to talk about like this game. And then when we got we got drunk one time, we basically planned out like how the game would work. Then we were just like sobered up, and you're like, "Oh, it's Mario!" But then we were like, "He gets turtles, and there's a fucking dinosaur taking his girl." I love you, man. You're the best game person I know. You're by the Ouija. Fuck you, Luigi. Then it fell apart. Like we dissolved the company. No, we got a good idea. We got a good idea for a game, but 
we don't know how to make a game. You tell but me afterwards. I okay. genuinely want to okay, know good. this. Yeah. Really it sounds good. amazing. Um, uh, what else? Oh yeah, Fortnite. We talked about it a tiny bit on the podcast mm. last week, but yeah. only in response to someone uh, saying about it. But you guys have been playing it loads, man. Yeah, it's one of these things For where... like Battle Royale, because there is an entire other bit of Fortnite, right? Yeah, but the PvE like, bit, which is yeah. kind of like um, like zombie survival waves fort building right. uh, type game. But the uh, Battle Royale version of Fortnite is essentially PUBG. It's that the same formula of 100 people are airdropped onto an island and you got to scavenge and loot your way to yeah. be the last one uh, alive. Um, and I, we played a little bit of PUBG here and it was kind of hard to get along with. I'm genuinely... Not all of us have Xboxes. Not decks. all of us have Xboxes. Also, like I find the art style, that kind of like generic Unreal grim, Engine, yeah. just flat... Uh, realistic look was a bit mm. dull. Yeah. So then the other one people are playing all the time is Fortnite. Uh, and as soon as I found out it was free to download on yeah. Yeah. every console, I was like, yeah, we'll give it a shot. So me and Cardi and Kroops and Joe as well, just one day after work stayed and, and played a couple of games of it. And it's pretty fun. Like it's pretty damn fun yeah. as far as those games go because they, they it's kind of got that like cartoony Overwatch bubbly look to it as well. Yeah. And it makes like looting feel great when you open a chest and all the colors nice. explode out. And you know, you got these gold guns and purple guns. Even when you're uh, shooting people, you get like headshots and the numbers are popping up above their heads. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, the sniper rifles as well have a drop shot on them. So, you oh, know, you cool. have to kind of anticipate distance and your enemy's movements. So when you yeah. get a shot, it looks really great. But man, what a freaking smart thing for them to do to make this just a free-to-play game on all yeah. consoles because it's awesome like we're really really loving it yeah. haven't won a game yet unfortunately but came second yeah i before. saw the second that was pretty good there is like a huge um uh expertise spike Absolutely, like towards yeah. the end because you yeah. think you're doing really well and then you'll get killed by someone at the end who's built like a sky fortress yeah. out of metal yeah. and is like jumped out of the sky with a sniper rifle and headshot you on the way down. Well, this is the thing. So I've been, for a while, I've been watching uh, Vicstar and Ali A playing this. Um, yeah. Because they play a lot together and they're very good at it. But it was this mad thing where I've been watching them for ages play it. And then when you guys started playing it, I was like, what game is this? You guys like, <laughs> Fortnite. We're like, oh, this doesn't look like the Fortnite <laughs> I've been watching. <laughs> and you're running around like, oh, yeah. shooting at the like, sky. There's a definite, uh, like, like, definite split in people who are fucking incredible I think um, it's um, kind of cool because uh, because it's like that uh, mechanic similar to PUBG where, you know, you're dropped down. If you die, you're out, you yeah. know? So what you can do is you can hide away and get really far just on like living in the shadows yeah. or just guns blazing, like <laughs> drop into a city where yeah. a lot of the valuable weapons are, but you've got more competition. Yeah. Um, so it makes like every moment where, you know, you'd be walking around and you hear gunshots and it's that kind of cool tactical talk on the mic. So you'd be mm. like, all right, um, we see like two people on the hill southeast. Yeah. You can see them behind the, the third tree that, you know, it's like nice. that, that kind of uh, Do you have a talking one. code? You're like two canaries on the hill. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> not. I think at the moment from watching it, everyone is more focused on staying alive 
rather than building and stuff. And the people who I've seen who are fucking amazing at it don't give a shit about dying and just like, build! Yeah. Well, that, well, that's like, it. It's like, if, if you die, obviously you're out, mm. but the process of rejoining a game is just back out, start search. Yes, yeah, yeah. And a lot of times you'll be back in a game within like 15 seconds. Yeah. So there's That's almost right. a worth as well of like, just go for it. Yeah. And if you die, you're out anyway. You've got nothing to lose. You can start oh, yeah. over again. I wonder if it'd be worth just sitting down and playing the PvE just for ages, just so you can get really good at building under pressure. I mean, you could do. You could still like, do get good at building under pressure in the actual yeah. battle but royale. But it, feel, but it feels like when it's live... <laughs> Like, your mind will be like, right, I've got this plan. But then when you get in, you're just like, ooh, but I could go for this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I could dig a hole and hide in it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I watched one stream where um, there's, there's like a little like basketball court. And they, yeah. they like found it and they, uh, there was this team and they just ended up building like a set of bleachers mm. around the basketball court. Oh, that's court awesome. That also ended up working as like a big massive barrier. Yeah. And so they just like hung out and played basketball. And whenever like enemies <laughs> came near, they just have one person climb up the top of the bleachers. <clears throat> just pop them off and then carry it. And they literally just won the game by playing basketball and letting everyone else That's kill themselves and just picking people off. So that. good. Well, I'm like running through holes like... <laughs> 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 yeah. And these guys are just like... With your gun just to Cardi's head. Is that easy your play? I'll take him out. <laughs> if I die, you die. <laughs> yeah, the best moment I had was um, like, I, I actually uh, tweeted the video clip of it. Um was the first time I found a sniper rifle in the game. And I was like, oh, amazing, because I hadn't really got good guns up until that point. So, so I, I picked it up, went to the roof of this building. And I was just like, I think it was like my third or fourth game, had this sniper rifle, and I just saw someone like running across this lake like way off in the distance and I was like, ooh, <laughs> just like, <laughs> like bam, went for a shot and it just perfectly hit them and knocked them out. And it's one of those things where like, I could have said anything like some like a really cool tagline or just been like that was amazing yeah, but it, like I just went oh my god it's so high pitch and it's like that was a beast shot it's like the fucking nerdiest you're an anime it's character so it's so bad <laughs> it's very funny but I was like properly losing my mind <laughs> and I think like that's what's kind of cool about this game is that uh, like if I did that in any other game I probably wouldn't be as excited as I was in yeah. uh, in Fortnite so I'd say like if you want to give it a shot I'd maybe stick with it because like the the um, actual building part is kind of annoying at the start mm. but you do get used to it after a while and it's free I so know, it's free that's yeah. amazing you can't really complain yeah you can get it on Xbox PlayStation all for free so yeah give it a shot boom Alicia I've written here anything else cool because you were in a meeting if oh you if you don't it's fine because um, I've got something cool. Do you have something cool? Yeah. All right, lay it down. 20-minute interview with Alex Garland. Whoa! <laughs> um, we walk out. <laughs> uh, so Alex Garland, if you don't know, direct. Uh, he directed... Well, he wrote Dread. Uh, some Ooh. people say that he may have directed it, but that's fine. He wrote and directed Ex Machina, uh, which is one of my favorite films of the year. It came out in 2015, I think. Um, and his new film, Annihilation... Uh, has come out in the US this it's coming out in the US this week uh, comes out in on Netflix in the UK on March 12th um, so it's kind of strange because Paramount are releasing it in the US but Netflix are releasing it in the UK so it doesn't really have a cinema release in the UK um, which is kind of strange but it does have one in but the, it does have one in the US that's weird yeah, which is like a, a strange thing but anyway I mean Netflix are the heroes and have gone yeah there we're, are stranger things on Netflix um, we um we gave it a 7.5 review. Like, I'm really interested in this film. So it's Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, 
and uh, what's his chops? Uh, oh, fucking, what's the guy from Ex Machina called? Oscar Isaac. And um, oh. it, it's an adaptation of a series of books that are apparently mad. So Terry Schwartz in the US is a massive fan of these books. Um, and it just looks like this crazy sort of sci-fi action, kind of like dreamy, this weird stuff going on that you're not quite sure, like different dimensions and things like that. It's right up his alley um, as well. Yeah, like, and I so I spoke to him for a bit and he said this really interesting thing, which you'll hear, but he basically said the way that he adapted it was he read the book once and then he never looked at the book again. And he kind of like adapted it through this weird sort of remembering different tiny elements of it. Mm. And apparently when you know the story, that's an actual perfect way of doing this book because it's kind of things, a lot of like dreamlike things and odd stuff going on. That is pretty that's cool. That's actually yeah. quite smart. Um, or lazy. Uh, or he's yeah. just gone, I can't be asked. Yeah. <laughs> Books are long, aren't they? <laughs> well, it's one of those things like I know uh, like there's a lot of musicians who... Like if they have an idea for a song or a melody, yeah. like people will record it on their phone so they don't forget it. Mm. But then other people think, uh, don't record it or write it down yeah. because if you can't remember it, then it's, it's not, not a good melody. It's not a good melody. So it's the same with the book. Mm. Like if he reads it once, all the bits he can't remember, then yeah. they're not worth remembering. Yeah. So what I'm saying is the book's probably terrible. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but also like he's a huge fan of video games, but like in a mad amazing way we've done we've done a bunch um, of stuff with him yeah, before so he's it, awesome we spoke to him around ex machina uh, so we talk a little bit more about video games like he said when he left he's like this, this is the only he's like everywhere i go people ask me about video games now but he's like this is the only podcast i come on where I, i'm allowed to actually talk about like mechanics oh, and like great. how much i love like the role animation in dark souls yeah. and things like that like which is really cool um but yeah he, he also uh, like i'm a huge fan of a film that he didn't direct, but he adapted uh, the screenplay of uh, Never Let Me Go, which is oh, I fucking love incredible Never Let Me film. Go. Yeah. He directed that? He didn't direct that. He adapted the screenplay right, for it. Right, got you. Yeah. Um, it's an amazing film. And basically, I told a story about showing it to someone mm. for the first time. And he tells a really funny story about that sort of, which we've talked about a lot on this, which is because we've all recently shown people the prestige. And you're kind of like, yeah. you're watching it, but you're watching it with one eye on them going, oh, are they enjoying it in the <laughs> right way? Forward. Let's sure. see the other one at 90 degrees. Um, <laughs> and he's got a really funny story about that. So let's get that in there right now. So Alex, when we get people on the podcast, we usually ask them um, for three things. First of all, is their favorite movie? Oh, fuck. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, all right. Uh, okay, so apart from the fact I don't have a favorite movie, which yeah. I'm sure you hear that a lot, uh, recently, well not recently, for a while, a film I've thought about a lot is Stalker. Mm. Um, uh, it, it's, uh, do you know it? I don't know. It's directed by a Russian director, uh, Tarkovsky. Um, it's got an amazing story behind its production. Yeah. If anyone's interested in reading about a hard film to make, they should check out, I guess, on Wikipedia and, and look up the, yeah. the story of how it was made. Um, uh, it's a really... Uh, epically slow strange science fiction movie okay. uh, about a group of three men uh, going on a journey into a place called the zone and right. um, uh, I'd been thinking about it for years and slightly sort of fixated on it for years and I'm far from the only one there's a lot of people who are hooked on that movie um, it's it's actually it, it's not 
it, it, it's not a particularly original choice. I mean, it, it, like lots of people are very interested yeah. in that film, and um, uh, so I, I would I'd say that Stalker Tarkovsky. Awesome. Do you have a favorite video game? Yeah, um, I do. Sort of. I, I, I've got. I've got a few though. Okay. <laughs> Why do I have to say one? You can, you can say a couple. That's fine. I'd say Bioshock. Yeah. Uh, the original Bioshock. The first yeah. one. Yeah. I'd say Tempest 2000, which was a game on the Jaguar, yeah. Jeff Minter game. Yeah. Um, He's still making games as well. He's just now and again just putting out this mad stuff. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Some incredible stuff on the Vita. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I really like the Half Life games um, as a sort of collection. I think yeah. they're pretty amazing. Uh, you, you you know what I? Why I'm blanking on it? You're a big Dark Souls fan as well, aren't you? Like Dark I'm, Souls, love Dark Souls, yeah. absolutely love Dark Souls. But there's another one, and I, it's actually the one I put top of the list, and it's the zombie one, um, PlayStation game. Resident Evil? No, 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 no. What? what? Last of Us. Last of Us. Last of Us. Yeah. Because um, it felt like. Bioshock was was superb for this, and maybe it's just because I Bioshock is older, and so Last of Us supplanted it. But there's something about the way that the Last of Us meshed story and game that I thought was stunning. Yeah, stunning actually. I remember the last time we had you on the podcast, and it's something that I tell a lot of people now, especially when I interview people, like journalists and other people who make things. When they say, "Oh, I've got time to play video games," I've I remember. Got time. The, I remember the last <laughs> time you came time. on. I think you yeah. had three level thirty Destiny characters. Yeah, um, and it's one of those things that I always tell people because um, when they just go, "Oh, I'm, you know, I've got time to play video games," like, well, yeah, you, you can make. Alice Garland's got time, so <laughs> yeah. I don't. I mean, whatever that says about me, um, <laughs> sure. But yeah, no, I love games. I grew up with games. Mm. I, I was, um, uh, you know, I'm 47. I, my lifespan is close to the lifespan of video games. Mm. You know, from Pong to Space Invaders and Manic Miner, and you know. And you just sort of keep going. Yeah. And uh, um, Chucky Egg, by the way, that's another game I yeah. could have mentioned. I was that, that's definitely, I'm sure there's probably a failed Kickstarter going on right now for Chucky Egg somewhere where someone's trying to bring that how back and make it 3D. I'm 32. How do you, how do you know about Chucky Egg? I'm a that's loser. <laughs> I mean, literally, you weren't born. It's because I, like, I was just obsessed with video games like growing up. And I think but I was quite poor as well. So I was always like two or three like cycles behind everyone because right. I was I grew up on hand-me-down video game consoles Got and it. things so it. it was like one of those things where someone up the street would get like a SNES and I would get his old box right. of, which yes. had a NES and stuff like that right, yeah, so, sure. and that happened right. like until I was old enough to buy my own console so so it gave you a sort of automatic research essentially state. yeah which is really good the thing about Chucky Egg is I actually replayed it not that long ago what, yeah. what surprised me was that often with that period of video games they were brutally difficult yeah like really very very hard you replay manic minor yeah um you know that matt yeah, smith yeah, game yeah. you know precursor to jet set william the, it's it's pixel perfect precision absolutely required yeah again and again and again and chucky egg is more like mario hmm. it's got a kind of uh it, there's a sort of forgiving quality to it it's 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 still difficult, yeah. but you can crack it. Yeah. Whereas Manic Miner, you needed to have some very remarkable OCD gaming yeah. skills to complete that game. 
But I always remember, like, in the King of Kong documentary where, like, they, you know, that's just Donkey Kong, but yeah. he's drawing, like, little, you know, things on the actual screen. I'm not sure if he actually did that or it was just for the purpose of the documentary, but you can kind of see that. Like, it's I remember, a documentary. Yeah, I remember, I remember used to doing it, though, for, like, Streets of Rage. Like, mm-hmm. I would draw out the levels. Mm-hmm. Like, me and my sister would draw out the levels so we knew exactly where to go for, like, so we could complete and be like, right, we had a map of each level yeah. to go and things like that. Yeah, it makes I think, sense. Yeah. I think that that's what was required. Yeah. And, um, uh, and real kind of Twitch gaming skills as well, yeah. like serious reaction times. And broadly speaking, games just got easier and easier and easier. I think one of the reasons I like the Dark Souls games yeah. is that to an extent they push you back to that difficulty level yeah. and that crazy sense of sort of achievement when you you beat something, yeah. you figure out, oh, I see what I've got to do. Yeah. There's no point rolling right, I've got to roll left. Absolutely, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Well, we started a series here. Um, we've, we've got a colleague who plays a lot of first-person shooters, and yeah. he's a maniac to play video games with because everything is just exploding, and that's just how he plays everything. Mm-hmm. So we started a series to see if, if he could finish Dark Souls by the time Dark Souls 3 came out. So we gave, us, we gave ourselves, I think, about three weeks, and uh, that was tight. That was really like it made him a better player. Yeah, we've continued the series now with like Bloodborne and Dark Souls three and things like that. But but, yeah, those it's a very special skill to have. First person shooters like um, uh, they're where I really feel my age actually. Mm. Um, playing online, uh, absolutely, just just not good enough. Yeah, Um, I don't know it, it. I don't know why it is. Maybe it's it's the pace of it, or I just cannot bring myself quickly yeah. enough I'll spot someone and by the time I've spotted them I'm dead and yeah. at a certain point you just think oh fuck it I can't keep doing this yeah. but anyway yeah I just did it playing through Star Wars Battlefront 2 now I played through the, like, the single player campaign of that and yeah. by the end of that I was like I'm really good at this and then went online played for about four minutes I was like this is it doesn't work like that though does it yeah. because the skill set for PvE is just yeah. different to PvP, yeah, and if you want to get good at PvP, you just have to play PvP and just do yeah. It again it's one of those things as well. That, like I just came back to time, like when you said, like oh, I don't have the time, but I was like, if you've got the time, then I probably do as well. I suppose. What I do is I blitz it. Okay. So I'll I'll be working, 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 and then stop, yeah. and then it's like my decompression. Yeah. Would be <laughs> two months, six weeks, whatever it is of just grinding up whatever it was last time we met a Destiny character because that's a lot of grinding in that yeah yeah and uh, do you have a favourite TV show Uh, yeah Uh, this last year Handmaid's Tale it's amazing isn't it Uh, it's stunning yeah it's one of those things where I love it but I can't watch more than one episode at a time which I think is fine I yeah I've I've heard people say that Mm. Uh, I I could. Uh, I, I couldn't stop. And um, when I ran out of episodes, um, it was really frustrating yeah. having to wait. Uh, that, as a bit of film drama, is remarkable. It's Absolutely yeah. remarkable. Beautifully scripted, uh, beautifully acted, beautifully shot, um, uh, and just got such content, you know, such so much to to think about I remember because obviously while you're watching there's a point where you realise oh I see everything that's happening here in this very very strange alternate world they're showing but everything they're happening they're, they're showing here happens this yeah. is and um, and of course that's what you realise that's what you're supposed to realise and then there was a point where there's an episode where um, 
the government opened fire on a group of protesters. And I thought, oh, I'm not really, that, that seems a bit far. Then I thought, what am I talking about? There'd been many times that governments have opened fire yeah. on protesters. Um, and uh, it, it's amazing how reality folds in yeah. to your sense of watching that series. I, I, I thought it was the best thing I've seen for a very, very long time. Yeah, because I did think it was interesting because I was a big fan of the book and I did think it was interesting having so many of those sort of flash, almost like flashbacks to when it was all sort of kicking off. Mm -hmm. And I think those are some of the most interesting bits because this is sort of mad sense that everyone just cannot believe this is happening. And when it all starts going, there's like a lot of very funny That's scenes. That's what happens. There's a lot of very funny scenes where everyone's just like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, this but, is insane. But And to think they made that before Trump got yeah. elected. And, and you're now in a state where you have... Yeah someone as backward and uh, kind of naive and yeah. dangerous as the kind of person you would need to require that kind of world yeah. and makes these statements that you think, has somebody actually said that out loud? Yeah. And then you think, Christ, they have, and they're the president of America. And yeah. so, so it's, um, I think watching that show in this world, yeah. this sort of Trump Brexit world, where things suddenly overtake yeah. And and get surrealist because it was really sobering and uh, and just a brilliant brilliant bit of uh, film drama. Just, just looks stunning as well. Beautifully beautifully shot. Really um, lovely. Yeah. I think some of the stuff that it, it feels like a lot of the stuff with streaming services now are doing a lot of things that maybe you wouldn't get to see on TVs and you know that maybe you wouldn't, wouldn't be getting funded and things like that. Because I think The Handmaid's Tale, the way that it's made, is a bit of a hard sell to a network. I think. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know enough about the decision-making processes and the people that make those decisions to know if that's true or not. Like, yeah. you, you might be right, mm. but go back a couple of years and you've got a big popular drama about a teacher who decides to start making crystal meth after mm. he's diagnosed with lung cancer with Breaking Bad. And yeah. then you've got, um, uh, which is a very, you know, the, the wire was a very sort of complicated, involved, yeah. sort of morally complex, thoughtful series yeah. that, that's a long time before that. And The Sopranos. I mean, I, what I broadly think is that since The Sopranos, everything yeah. got hugely elevated. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so I'm not, I guess all I'm really saying is I don't know if what you said is true. It might yeah. be true. Um, uh, it's it's certainly long form series, you know, long long form TV or uh, Netflix or whatever the right term is. Um, there, there's some pretty fantastic stuff out there. Amazing. And with uh, let's talk about Annihilation for a bit. After Ex Machina, why was this the film that you wanted to make, or is it something you've been trying to make or making for years? No, no. Uh, um, I mean, there's there's probably two answers to that. One is that. In general, I tend to react against the thing I just did. Okay. Uh, so um, uh, if the film I made before Ex Machina was Dread, uh, the film I made before Dread was Never Let Me Go. If you look at what Never Let Me Go is and what Dread is, they're incredibly yeah. different kinds of films. And yeah. likewise with Dread to Ex Machina and likewise with Ex Machina to Annihilation. And yeah. so some of it is just you've been living with something for two and a half, three years and you're done with it and you want to try something completely different. Yeah. Um, uh, the While I was in the edit of Ex Machina, uh, one of the producers of Ex Machina, um, who's also 
it's this it's basically the same the same group of people that made ex machina more or less also made annihilation right and um uh one of those producers sent me the the book by jeff vandermeer and um uh, said you should read this uh this this could be a very interesting film and i right. i read it and i agreed i thought this this would be terrific and um uh uh, by the by the end of reading it, I thought, yes, I would definitely want to try this. There's a lot in here yeah. um, that's sort of pushing buttons. It's a terrific novel, uh, and Vandermeer's a really seriously good writer. It's one of the novels, like I haven't read it yet, um, but it's one of the ones that fans of it sort of say that it'd be really hard to make into a movie. It was fucking hard to make <laughs> it into a movie. <laughs> and I, I, I would not uh, in any way... Um, uh, say that I have necessarily achieved yeah. uh, the, <laughs> the ambition of making it into a movie. I've made it uh, with the people uh, I work with into something. Right. Um, it exists. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, if if you did if you did a, a straight literal beat by beat yeah. um, adaptation, uh, it, it would certainly be very hard. And I've done that before um, on on the book Never Let Me Go, uh, the, which was it was a book, and then yeah. I worked on the adaptation to make it into a film. That was a very faithful adaptation is, to the yeah, extent yeah. of transcribing dialogue and that kind yeah. of thing. This, w- while I was reading it, I was thinking, you can't do that with this. And uh, the thing that interested me about it in part, not, not only, but just in part, was that it, it had a sort of dream state aspect to it. Right. Um, in, in the reading of it, it's like being in a dream state. Mm. And so I thought, I don't, I can't do, it, it would be like someone telling you their dream and then you trying to film their dream. It would just right. sort of be impossible. So I took a kind of principle or a theory, um, which was that I then didn't reread the book I I made a, f- a film as a memory of okay. a dream state provided by Jeff Vandermeer, if you see what I mean. I do, yeah. And um, uh, so it has strong correlation with the book in some ways yeah. and non-correlation in other ways. And um, uh, that it, I, it was very sort of good of Jeff to let me do that. Yeah. Um, uh, and... It was it was an idea that came from reading the book while reading it, thinking, I don't know how to adapt this, but this is one way to approach it, and and it felt true to the book right. in that crucial respect. I guess like you've got to make the call with some things, like as you said, like I'm a huge fan of Never Let Me Go and of the book and the film, um, but as you said, like that is pretty much what it is, which is awesome. Um, you've, how do you make the call between? what you can as you going in as a director going right I can definitely see that on the screen but I cannot see that on the screen sort of thing in adaptations in general yeah uh, I don't know <laughs> I don't know <laughs> uh, you, I, ask someone who knows <laughs> I, I think I think what you do is I'll tell you one thing is that when I'm writing a script initially I don't really think about the practicalities so if I think something should be in the script I'll just put it in and then later have difficult conversations with producers or financiers about whether this is something which is actually achievable or not yeah um so so 
So on those practical, so that is to say on a creative level, you just put in whatever you want. Mm. On a practical level, well, okay, then then there's an argument to be had. But you don't have the argument on the first draft. You you try to write the thing truly to what you think it should be. Yeah. And then you try and just keep that stuff. Okay. You just, you try and have a sort of lateral, like a way around the problem to, yeah. to try to solve it. That's, yeah, sounds like a pain in the ass, but. Hopefully it's ah, good. That's the job. <laughs> that's basically the job, isn't it? Yeah. I'd, if it was that bad, I should get another job. <laughs> <laughs> we talk a lot about on the podcast about um, showing your favorite things to other people. And I did that with Never Let Me Go because it's one of my favorite films. And I showed wow. it to... That's very um, nice of you to say. I love that film. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a very unusual film for anyone to choose because yeah. it's sort of... Um, uh, I think a lot of people just find it too bleak. But, it is quite um, bleak, but I think people kind of like bleak. You see, like, you know, Black Mirror is... They bloody don't. It's like... <laughs> you know, I, I, I beg to differ. I, I, can, I can sort of direct you to several uh, of my box office results that would indicate pretty clearly that people do not like bleak. But, but anyway... Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. people don't like going out to see bleak because, you know, they've got to have a night out of it, but people like bleak in the comfort of their own home, maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I'll I, take your word for it. I showed uh, Never Let Me Go to a uh, new girlfriend like recently because she hadn't seen it. Mm. And it's one of those ones, because like, we talk about the podcast of like how much of a stress that is sometimes to show people. And it's mm. one of those ones where it was like a Sunday afternoon. And I was just like looking over it all the time being like, she into this. I'm not sure. And then by the end, I was like, do you, do you like that? She was like, yeah, I fucking love that. I was like, oh, thank oh, God. Well, that's good. It's like, you need to give me more of that. Uh, like, have you got any sort of stories about trying to show people things that you love and the stress that comes with that? It's, uh, oddly, I was, I was talking about this to my son the other day because mm. um, he's 14 and he'd, right, he'd okay. tried to show uh, a movie to some of his mates. It was um, the Steve Jobs movie. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, that um, With Fassbender and Danny yeah. Boyle. And, um, uh, it's a very, very good film. Mm. And But for whatever reasons, his, his pals hadn't dug it and because they wanted to watch, you know, whatever it was, some yeah. The Purge or something. <laughs> and uh, um, and uh, he was talking about that feeling of being crestfallen yeah you know and and the feet he was describing the feeling you have in a room where you've chosen something and you gradually yeah. start to sense that people are sort of saying oh I'm just gonna go and make a cup of tea yeah. and then they say no no d don't pause it I'll, I'll just oh it's the worst it's, it's terrible exactly and and it's and it's weird because I remember that so well uh, when he was talking about it because you'd you'd you know there'd be a a bunch of you and You'd get someone get nominated to go yeah. to the video shop to go and rent a video, which obviously they don't have that anymore. It's easier for the, yeah. these days. But and you'd go up, come back with you know holding Apocalypse Now or something, yeah. thinking yeah they'll really like this, and then gradually realizing they don't. And I know the feeling. Yeah, it's not. I nice. know it very well. It's a horrible feeling. Actually. Yeah, it's a weirdly horrible feeling. It's strange, isn't it? I think yeah. it's almost like you said. Like obviously, it's different now with like Netflix and things like that. It's almost like more pressure because there's so much choice whereas like if you'd gone to the video shop and you brought back Apocalypse Now whatever happens you're fucking watching Apocalypse Now because you're not going back to the video shop whereas if you start no, watching sometimes you, I had to go back to the video <laughs> shop <laughs> I really did like go get Friday the Thief go on basically yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess like with now there's so much choice and things like yesterday I was at um, my girlfriend's house with her parents and they were trying to pick something to watch in the night and in the end I had to go home because I was just like I can't sit here and watch your dad go scroll through, through ten, anymore. 10 billion options because like, I've told him 10 things to watch now and I've gone oh you'll really like this you really like this and he's gone yeah 
Okay. Yeah. And you sort of see him score past and you're like, I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of choice. There's a lot of choice. And um, the interesting thing is how is how things float out of that. Yeah. What what gets remembered and what doesn't. And uh, and also there's a generational aspect to it. Um, yeah. I I saw it I saw it recently when uh, Blade Runner 2049 came out. Mm. And actually whilst playing uh, um, online. Mm. Um, so I was online and I was saying to the group of people I was playing with, some of whom were in their early 20s, oh yeah, Blade Runner's coming out. Yeah. Um, you know, that's really exciting, isn't it? And a couple of them had no idea what Blade Runner was. Really? And that that really surprised and interested me. I, I It would not have occurred to me that people would not know what Blade Runner was. But then I think, oh yeah, but I'm 47 and this guy's 21. And and why would he know? Yeah. He'd only have seen it if he'd found it on Netflix. And he could very easily not have found it on Netflix. Because yeah. like you said, there's 10 billion other things to watch. So it's it's a, but, but you know, things float out. And, yeah. And Annihilation is going to be on Netflix in the UK. So yep. how do you think you're going to make that float out of everything else? It's not my job to make yeah. it float out. I, I sort of, um, uh, I see my job as if people are kind of dumb enough to give me the money to make a film, I'll do it to the best of my ability. And then yeah. um, I sort of bow out. And just finally, um, obviously Disney are snapping up any director that, you know, does sci-fi or anything interesting at the moment? Do you sort of? I think a lot of people who maybe <laughs> Not don't. Me. You know, but I think a lot of people who don't work in films and don't work in that industry would yeah. see that as a natural progression. You know, you do what, make a Star films Wars, and then you go make a Star Wars film. No, you're kidding. <laughs> if I, I think, I think if anybody watched like the films I've worked on yeah. then they would not think I'm a natural fit for Star Wars so uh, I've, I, I, I'm not waiting for the phone to ring not even one of the sort of smaller characters like or do a little spin-off film no definitely not and and even if the phone did ring I, I certainly wouldn't do it yeah. I, mean, I mean it would be a bad fit that would be a very very bad fit amazing thank you so much man alright cheers cool. he is lovely what um, a nice man. Usually when we, sometimes if there's two of us, we'll play like keyword counter. But I'm not sure if we're going to do that with stars anymore because Joe and I did it with Andy Serkis and it was awkward as hell. Oh, I watched that. <clears> he <throat> just didn't really know a lot, did he? No, no, he didn't. Well, I think like <laughs> he probably knows a lot. He's a really smart man. It's just on the spot. It is yeah. a hard game. Yeah. Um, Look, as someone who is terrible at keyword counter, yeah, I totally. can relate to that. We're not going to throw stones over this way. <laughs> well, who knows? Because maybe this is this is your chance to redeem yourselves and be like the dons at Kiwa kind of from now on so let's play a little bit of it right now If you don't know what Keyword Countdown is, IMDb categorised their films by a bunch of crazy keywords. What I've done, or what at P. Kofi on Twitter has done, is taken five films, ten keywords apiece. You guys at home and you guys right here in front of me have to guess what those films are by the keywords. There's also a very good link okay. between them as okay. well. Thank okay. you very much for sending this in. Oh, Rory, don't flex. Here we go. That's, not, that's intimidating. Why would you flex before a game of Keyword <laughs> Countdown? Here we, here we go. Film number one. Unnecessary guilt. 
post-traumatic stress. Uh, never let me go. Taste like chicken joke. Oh. Anchorman two. Mild, the mask. Mild violence. This is hard. Tastes um, like chicken joke. Post-traumatic stress. Arranged marriage. Shaman. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Reference to Shakespeare's Hamlet. The Lion King. Yes! No way! Yes! <laughs> wow! yes! That's amazing! Well done, four um, points. I threw that out as like, yeah, it won't be that. I just want to say yeah. something. <laughs> well done. Clawfight, interspecies friendship, animal name and title. Well done. Nice. Four points there. Those were really, really hard clues. I know, clues. it's for the Lion King. That's a pin. Nice. Fair Here play. We go. Well done, Alicia. Film number two. Woman kicks a man. Kill Bill. I was just going to say that. Truth taken as a joke. Identity crisis. British. Welsh, even actor playing American character. Welsh actor playing American. James Bond. Um, Off-screen killing. In a monologue. Killed during sex. Wow. Ooh, what a um, way to go. Atomic Blonde. Um, Men's cosmetics. <clears throat> Ambiguous ending. What is this? I don't know. Final clue. Reference to Phil Collins. Oh, American Psycho. Yes. Oh, oh, I've never seen American so Psycho. Have you? Oh. Dude, watch it. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Well done, Alicia. Alicia got a guess, and that's five points. It I'm feels like a rinsed. fail when you get it on the last clue. Here we How go. Getting on no clues. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. What film as well? These are all brilliant films as well. Film number three: Plagiarism. Female butt jiggle. <laughs> Great. That's going down as one of my favourite keyword countdown clues. Rivalry. Social network. Towel snapping. Ooh. Top gun? Do they snap towels in Top Gun? It's... Bikini car wash. Dodgeball. Competition. 2000s. She's the man. Um, Dancing. Uh, what? Uh, oh, it's going to be Step Up. Step Up 2. Step Up 3. Step Up 4. Step up How many Step streets? Up 5? Another Stop Up. Step Up. <laughs> okay. But that's close. Imperative in title. Save the last dance. Um, Final clue. Cheerleading. Bring it on? Yeah. Ah, I should have guessed good. that way earlier. Well done, Powers. What a film as well. One point to Powers there. Ooh, 5-1. Two films left. This Boss. is good. Mm. <clears throat> film number four. Based on book. Harry Potter. You're never going to not guess <laughs> Harry Potter. Hit by bus. Female butt jiggle. <laughs> Philosopher's <Harry> Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Hit by bus. Um, mean Girls. Yes. What the? Oh, nine points for Alicia there. That's 14 points overall to Alicia. Uh, the other ones, Mathletes, 
older personal older person playing teen, female antagonist, musical number, two word title, split screen telephone call, friends who hate each other, teen angst. I feel like mean we were primed girls. by previous naughties uh, keywords. No. Like, no, no, no. No, I mean, is, is it just, it just put you in the mindset yeah, of like maybe. what movies came out. Oh, well done. Here we go. Uh, final final one then. Can I win? I can't win, can I? You're on one point. Alyssa's on 14. So if you even if you guessed it first, you'd be on 11 points. And even if you got the thing, you'd be on 12. So no, you can't Can, can we say then for this round, if I get it right, first clue, it's a million. Uh, yeah. Okay. He's not. Yeah, my what does? I jump in the rankings. But also, you take it really seriously, and you're like, "That was a million. I remember." And like, and you walk out. Yeah, I've just won every keyword countdown because Ever. it's got a million points. It'd be great if you took things that seriously. I might just might. Let's find out. Here we go. Oh no. Film number five. Directorial debut. Oh come on. Yeah, that's right. So second one's half a mil. No. Is this how? <laughs> million for that. The rest you don't get. Do you want me to move on? No. Uh, have we mentioned it yet? It's not Dodgeball, is it? Nope. Mm, not Snow Patrol? No. Nope. Oasis? Nope. <laughs> um, uh, all right, I'm going to go on. All right, fine. <laughs> Kasabian. <laughs> um, directorial debut, PTA. Parent Teacher Association. I forgot. I blanked earlier what PTA was, and I had to look it up. Because um, I was thinking Paul Thomas Anderson, but that would be a weird keyword. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire? Shot in the eye. That's Super- actually a big clue. Superman. Because you, you know how early on it is. Clap into music. Who gets shot in the eye? Sexy teacher. Dark hero. Time travel. What? Hot tub time machine? This is a good one. Real life brother and sister playing brother and sister. This is a good one. Oh, what, think uh, what, that would what give brother away, and sister but... actors are there? There's the, the whatchamacallums, the, oh, the guy who played Prince of Persia. Ah, Jake Gyllenhaal. Has it got, has it got the Gyllenhaals in it? Oh, I bet it's got the Gyllenhaals in it. Um, Character Donnie name. Darko. Yes. God yes. damn it. <laughs> well done, Powers. You get three points for that, mate. Just say three mil. We'll call it even. Uh, no. <laughs> You're like, that's more than you originally <laughs> yeah. for. So you get four points overall. The other clues then. Character name and title, Rabbit Suit. Okay. Um, so Lion King, American Psycho, Bring It On, Mean Girls, Donnie Darko. Is it to do... And the link for a mil? <laughs> yes, the link for a mil. Okay. No! <laughs> That's a lot easier to get. Uh, Just for the adventure. Oh, link uh, for a mil. Uh, but you only get one guess. No, come on. No. <laughs> it's hard. You're not I'm it. never going to get it. But you could get a mil as well. Really? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. now I'm into it. Um, Lion King, American Psycho, Bring It On, Mean Girls, Donnie Darko. I'm actually super interested to see if anybody at home gets this link. All have a cheerleader or cheerleading in it. Email IGN, let's go, no. you feedback, IGN.com, don't lie. What, so you're not going to say it? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, it's all involves people dressing up as animals or pretending to be animals. Very good, but it's not. Um, Anything to do with animals? Nope. 
Shit. It's nothing to do with anything that's in the film. Oh, it'll be oh. To do with, so it's to do yeah. with the creating of the film, mm, with the development. Kind of. Um, the scripts had <laughs> loads of words like, in you, them. You, it's like I could say, you didn't know where that sentence was going. You all the scripts were all the scripts were printed. It's because what I try to do is watch your face. So sometimes yeah. you start a sentence and you'll go, oh, and you get a twinkle in your eye. <laughs> um, uh, all were directors' debuts. No. Director, no. Um, um, all were released. On a Tuesday, <laughs> <laughs> uneven de- year. All of them had premieres in. They were all cult slash big films with straight to DVD sequels. Uh, of course, yeah. Donnie then, Darko had a straight to oh, DVD sequel. What is yeah. it called? It's Samantha Donnie Darko. Lito. Oh, it's, Samantha. All about, it's all about the daughter. Yeah, um, sister. Sorry, yeah. Samantha. Lion King yeah. Two is actually a banging film. Is it? Yeah, it's really good. It's got mm. a great soundtrack. They actually use one of the songs from the Lion King Two in the Lion King musical in London because it's that good. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. Well done. That was a really good one. I really like that link. It's close. Let's get some feedback then. All right. All right. Who's first? Uh, it is moi. Or more correctly, it is Kyle White. Who says, hey, gentlemen and mum, I'm from the US and love the podcast. All yes. of you just cool. seem like very genuine and relatable people. Yes. Thank oh, you. that's so nice. That is sweet. I have to admit, the nerdiest thing I do is listen to a D&D show or two. I don't know what it is, but it's one of my favourite things. This is my nerd shame that I'm always afraid to announce, but I'm now announcing for him, live, on air. I was wondering if you all had any nerd interests like that. Quite a lot, yeah. I think... I assume he means on the, like, less mainstream spectrum of the... Nerd Video world. games. Yeah, you I'm really into this. I've been into Marvel Mario. movies recently. <laughs> <laughs> Bit ashamed of it. I've said it before but to other people, but I think the nerdiest thing that I do is um, fancy NFL. Just not because it's nerdy. It's a pretty nerdy, jockey nerd thing to do. But I think the level to which we take it is pretty nerdy. So we have like... That's like you being like, oh, I think like the lamest thing I do is uh, make out with the cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> pretty ashamed of my massive penis as well. I know you're just bragging. I think uh, the nerdiest thing I do is just uh, do uh, 360s uh, on my skateboard. Or just hit them, whatever, on the way here. Um, just because like we're idiots who don't really know what we're doing we've been doing it for years and we right. have like a trophy that is super embarrassing all everyone is embarrassed of it uh, everyone not in the league is embarrassed of it <laughs> right. talking about it. Um, we have like <coughs> little tournaments we have at the end of each season we all meet up and rent like a cottage somewhere and then we have like a presentation evening I appreciate the showmanship um, like, it's that's pretty amazing cool. and we like all dress up in suits uh, we call it the AGM and we talk about like rules for the next season if you want to change anything but also like everyone has got their own little into tournaments as well so like within we've got the banister which is like a banister from a um, a house it's a wooden beam from a banister that you walk upstairs to and that's got a spray painted silver uh, American football action figure on the top of it. It's an amazing trophy. Jesus. Um, but then we also have like little, uh, like the Welsh Bowl, which is uh, me against the other only Welsh speaker in the league. Right, right, um, right. So like whoever wins, <coughs> the two of us against each other in records gets the Welsh Bowl, which is a cool little trophy thing. Um, yes, yeah, good. That's good. I was just going to say Magic the Gathering, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um you I mean, I guess mine would be playing D and D. Yeah, do that a lot. Um, oh, I mean, oh, okay. I guess like the nerdiest 
thing would be like, every every morning. You know how you have like your... with a unicycle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just said you like, like games about DNA gene splicing plants <laughs> in a VR greenhouse. <laughs> I'm like, change the world, my potting shed. Um, no, I mean, I guess I listen to like a bunch of TED talks every morning, but I don't just listen to them. I'll have like every morning. I'll have like makeup brush in one hand, laptop in the other, where Make I'll notes. be like with my right hand, I'll be like making notes on the Aww. TED talk. Really? It's really sad. What a way to start the day. I yeah. know. I know, been up for like 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to learn about biodiversity <laughs> That's in Rio. Cool to is, really cool. yeah. like that. is it cool? Is it cool? <laughs> what have you got, Powers? Uh, I have an email here from uh, Anthony Cade. Mm-hmm. Anthony says, hello to you good boys and girl. Great. It seems the birth of the Overwatch League has pretty much passed you by. Not true. Except for the mention of watching a game in Loading Bar. I've become addicted to watching the League and can't believe how long it's been since you guys mentioned one of the greatest games of all time. Is anyone in the office a watcher of the Overwatch League? And do you support any teams in particular? I'm a huge fan of the Outlaws. Would love to hear your opinions on this. Keep up the stellar work and don't forget the Ronies. We have been watching it. Like if we're not watching like full things we're watching, mm. everyone will be like, oh, did you see this last night? Did you see this play? Like, yeah. Everyone's kind of into it. Yeah, we, we, we watch it, especially when it was coming to the end, we watched it pretty religiously. Yeah. Like it's just, we don't like to talk about, if we talk about Overwatch on the podcast, people get pissed off. Yeah. We start talking about a, like professional over, Overwatch <laughs> League, people lose their damn minds. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I went as far as, so there was a big, uh, the big finale kind of finished with our team, Nuts. London Spitfire. Spit, spit, spit. Losing against the number one team and kind of having to, like, arc their way back That's into the finals. Rocky shit. It was incredible, like, getting knocked down and yeah. then having to, like, get back win your again. way back up to the finals, um, which they then won as well by doing a reverse sweep. And so uh, getting the and getting the trophy, um, but I actually because it was so late because of the time difference, the the final game was on at like two in the morning or something. Yeah. So I actually went to sleep and like didn't check my phone or anything the next morning, and then rewatched it all on Twitch, nice. which was really cool. So I was just <clears throat> screaming at my laptop. Um, but we all really, yeah, we all think enjoy now. And they actually just announced that they've brought out the reward system for yeah. watching it, which I I haven't looked at the details. I don't know if it's any good or not. But you can essentially get. Um, league points yeah. that you can spend on uh, skins from your favorite Overwatch teams to use in game, which is that's pretty cool. I think the it's a pretty cool like, incentive. I love it, but the only thing that's putting me off is like they they cop they go out of their way so much to copy other sports in terms of like how it's presented, mm. how it's talked about, like the punditry and things like that. Why do they not go out of their way to just mirror a really popular sport league? like the way that the league is actually run. Because yeah. it's quite confusing because you just go, okay, for this amount of time, there was a thing where I missed one of our, I was really into it. I missed one of the Spitfire games because I just didn't assume that they'd be playing that day. Like, why don't you just do it like an actual football league? It is It is weird. I don't, I don't get why they're not doing that. Because they made up their own league, yeah. like the way of running the league. So it's like, okay, now I have to learn that. Um, I was pretty down on it as well because I was like, I was like, oh, okay, so we're going to, get to the finals mm. but this is only the first of four finals yeah. before the big competition happens mm. yeah. it was kind of weird to wrap my head around it but then maybe it's orchestrated differently because it has to be it has to be so yeah. you keep up the the stream so it's consistent yeah. or they need a more like instead of having one big payout four months down the line you yeah. need to fund these teams throughout these mini seasons or yeah. something i'm not entirely sure how it works yeah um but it's very easy, at least it's easy to keep track of. Yes. Like there's literally yeah, an app yeah. where you can just see who's 
in which position. Yeah. So in short, we're loving it. It's great. Um, it was an awesome, uh, if anyone follows David, was the uh, wrestler. He was... Oh, he was with yeah, London. he went down to them. Uh, yeah, he went down to Irvine, I think, to um, Blizzard. And there's an amazing uh, video that he put up where he's like saying that he's going to go play as... Uh, I think he, who does he play? I think he plays as Lucio or maybe Zenyatta. Um, and I think he's going to go, he wanted to go play for the Spitfire. So like, yeah, <laughs> nice. That'd be amazing. Play for us, that'd be amazing. Um, here we go then, found a bit of feedback from James Holland. Hi, IGN UK, UK team. And this is one of the emails. Powers went through and uh, highlighted that. I mean, she's literally just highlighted everything. I started highlighting it because you only highlight the relevant parts. And then I realized halfway through, it's quite a short email. And I just highlighted the entire page. So this is James from Preston. It says, I recently bought and played the PS4 remake of Shadow of the Colossus. And while I did like it, I felt like I was missing something that made it one of the best games ever. And that's in quotes. So I don't know who he's quoting there. The graphics are beautiful, music amazing, but the empty world and often fiddly controls left something to be desired. I'm interested in your opinions. Has anyone else thought the same or is it just me? I've seen a lot of people recently having a go at the empty world. Yeah. But I don't know when, because we played it through for a show which just finished um, on Prepared Try. We did four episodes of it. Mm -hmm. uh, we should have a look at it right now. Um, but it, it never feels empty because you're just, you've got a purpose. It's like, like if you were just traveling around, you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah. I feel like that would feel a tiny little bit more empty. Whereas you're, you leave the altar, you go to kill another Colossus, you point your sword in the sky, it tells you where to go, and you mm. head towards that bit. Like for me, the world is more, you just enjoy <coughs> how beautiful it looks on your way to kill another thing. Yeah. I, I don't guess, understand how people are saying it. I empty. guess because this is a remaster of a game that came out, you know, way before we started playing, I don't know, like all of like the big open world games that set the yeah. tone of what we expect from an quote unquote open world game. Yeah. So like that's the thing, it's not an open world game. Yeah, like, like it's it's just that the arena that you're playing in has yeah. to be huge because you're going after these huge monsters, but people yeah. come with the expectations of like playing Breath of the Wild and Assassin's Creed and like, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. they want rich, detailed environments. It's super rich and super detailed though. This is the thing, it's just there's not other people talking to you. Yeah. But if that works into the storyline, because the storyline is you are at the end of the earth, like mm. not in terms of time, but in terms of location. You're at the end of the world, like there is no one living out there because it's the end of the world. Yeah. Also, I think it like, it kind of illustrates the fact that the only things that are living in this mm. area are these colossi. Yeah. Well, not anymore. Well, that's a good point. Well, that's an aggro. Secrets. Um, um, and you're, you're killing like the one thing that yeah. is actually living here. But, like there were times when we were running around, I think I even mentioned it in the Let's Plays, where it does feel just empty and mm. cold, but th th in no way was that a negative thing. No. I actually thought it was kind of like eerie and yeah. cool Reflective and I think that's the point of it yeah um, I think it's if you break it down like it's it's basically like you know the levels are you going across the level and you get to a boss and yeah it's just done in a really beautiful way like I, I've seen a lot of people saying oh it's such an empty world fuck that man it's not um, the fucking <laughs> 60 giants you gotta kill in it just put your sword in the sky it tells you where to go mm. um, but yeah I, I don't know I, th I, I do think it is generally one of the best games I don't think it is the best game ever I I it was weird that you didn't seem like you struggled with fiddly controls, but I think... Me? Yeah. Well, I mean, I did. Really? Just played yeah. it off. What? what <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like... Because I've had a go of it now, and I don't feel like it's particularly fiddly, I think. I think it purposely makes you do that because 
it's got to give you a tiny bit of a challenge. Otherwise, it's just climbing up and stabbing these things. Yeah, I feel like the, the engine's a little bit weird in the way that, like, sometimes you'll be running and yeah. something will move. And, um, like, Antoine will just do, like, a front flip or something. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, what What was that? That's you know, it's the like, horse doesn't know what he's fucking doing. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but, like, the, the it's pretty... <laughs> also, the, the guy's name is not Antoine. <laughs> not Antoine? We started calling him that. <laughs> um, but, Antoine you know, like, I mean, it's... I think it's hard... I think there's a big thing at the moment where there's no middle ground for anything. Mm. And I've talked about this for ages, where everything is either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. No yeah. one really knows the in-between. I was I was on a trip recently um, with Tamor from GameSpot, and we got to talking about this. And he was like, his opinion is actually really good, where like everybody wants to have their take, and they want their take to be the most noticed take on a thing. You're not getting noticed if you're just like, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was fine. Like, whereas yeah. if you're like, this is the best thing ever. I've got like, yeah. and I feel like the people that I follow, this is not saying everyone in the world, the people that I follow, Americans are way worse at this than British people. Because it's so many times where we wake up and something has happened, a trailer's dropped or something like that. And it'll just mm. be all the Americans I follow losing their minds for it, being like, this is the best trailer that's ever happened in the history of trailers. Or, or this is the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of things happening. Right. Like there's never yeah. an in-between thing anymore, which is which really crazy. And well, I guess like, like that's the whole thing with social media is yeah. that like if you think something's in between, then you've got nothing to say about it. So yeah. you don't tweet. So yeah. the only way you're going to see someone's tweet is if they think it's the best yeah, thing or the yeah. worst thing ever. But then I also feel like people just look like really decide like because of that they decide on what the story is going to be with something and they just jump onto that like we've seen it twice now we've talked about it with bright um mm. and i saw it with um the clofield paradox as well which i watched the other day i was like that's fine that's like yeah. two and a half three star movie like I, that was out of fine. what out of five. Ten? Five. out of five <laughs> um i there's some really good bits in that but i went into it going like oh everyone hates this like it's the worst film ever maybe that sort of impinged on how yeah. I enjoyed it but I remember so then I kind of did a little search and like people who I like and sort of read their stuff and they were just giving this absolute paste in I was like nah, I, don't think. I, th I thought it was pretty bad really yeah I like really really bad I, so I, the, next week we're gonna, we've got this awesome interview with I just did with Joel Edgerton and obviously he's the orc in Bright and I said so I said oh, let's talk about Bright for a bit and he was saying like he read some of the reviews which he never does but he read a couple of the reviews that were just like this is the worst film ever mm. and he was like man I want to take those people sit them in a room and show them some of the fucking worst films that I've ever seen yeah. because he was like, I worked on that. That is not one of the worst films ever. He's like, wherever you think of it, it's not one of the worst films ever. I'm yeah. glad he um, at least thinks that way. It's yeah. like, hasn't got to Well, he's a super much. down to earth guy. It's, cool. it's one of my favorite interviews. Down to earth done. orc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> down to middle earth orc, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, there we are. There we go then. <laughs> um, yeah, so, Travel Colossus, good. Yeah. Fine. James I think it's amazing. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can. IGN underscore, uh, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Yes. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.